Welcome to Aesthetics Mastery, the podcast to help you thrive and raise the bar in your aesthetics practice. I'm Dr. Adam Chong. And I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. I'm joined today by Dr. Amy Moss. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, welcome. Dr. Amy is a dental surgeon and one of the clinicians and trainers here at Skin Viva. Dr. Amy, um, we thought it would be a fantastic person to join us today because she's very good at doing jawlines and you can see lots of her work at uh, Dr. Amy Moss on Instagram and we are hoping to learn a little bit and share a little bit of what she knows about how to create a beautiful jawline. Great. So Amy, what, why do you like doing jawlines then? Why do I like doing them? Um, I think you see a really big transformation with jawline. Um, I think it's one of those things that really frames your face. I think part of the early science of aging is reflected in your jawline and you're under the, like, the chin area here. So I think that's a real giveaway on how old someone is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think a really good jawline is like a very, very defined contour jawline is what makes a lot of attractive people seem very, very attractive. If you look at, like you always say to him, analogies of cartoon characters, like Disney characters and, and male cartoon characters like yeah, Superman, we were talking Batman. About this, we, yeah. The guys have really chiselled, like contoured jawlines, and that makes them attractive. And the girls have like narrow chins, tiny, sharp jawlines, and that's what makes them pretty and look mm-hmm. more attractive. So to me, it's it's being able to make someone who maybe is already attractive, but just that edge a bit more masculine, a bit more feminine, it makes them a little bit more attractive, and it reduces the aging. Mm-hmm. I think they look younger, and people look like they've lost weight. Yeah. Like straight after the jawline. If you see a jawline, it's like an optical illusion, I think. If you can then see almost what looks like a jawline with filler, so like a ledge, it makes it look like um like you've lost weight because then you can see bone structure and people people think bone structure makes you look thinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, what you've sort of alluded to there is that there's, I guess, two ways to approach it. There's the anti-aging aspect of treating a jawline, mm-hmm. um, but also it's, it's quite fashionable right now, isn't it? And a lot of the traditionally beautiful celebs that we see on TV, like Batman, Amy, yeah. t- Amy totally fancies Batman. I do, and Superman. And Superman, yeah, you mentioned. Um, but Brad Pitt's another example for me. Not that I fancy. Fancy him more than Batman, I, mean, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a, a, a great, chiselled, strong jawline, hasn't he? And mm-hmm. he's always been considered... A good looking guy but what about what about females i mean it's definitely a, a common thing to have done at the moment are there any females that you, you guys can think of that in terms of celebrity yeah um yeah kylie jenner's one i think everyone's going crazy about that kind of jawline look chiseled mm. contoured um kim kardashian people like that will have it but anyone that you look at who is kind of in the media really really in the media and very very thin have that contoured jawline mm. i mean obviously they've got it because they're thin but people want to create it so that they, they look like that. Yeah. And I think that's why it's, it's doing so well. It's considered to be aesthetically more beautiful to have a contoured jawline. I would, I would love to know what really kicked it off, because actually we've been injecting jawlines for decades, actually. Like, it's not a new thing. Um, I certainly was, was doing quite big resto- restorative jawlines long before it became a, an Instagram phenomenon, and now all of a sudden it's 25-year-olds. Um, there's, it must be this Kylie Jenner-type influence, which is... Definitely. You can have what you want if you if you know the right person and give it mm. to you, which is Dr. Amy Moss, by the way. But it's becoming almost as popular as lips. Yeah, and that's I think that's the interesting yeah. thing I've noticed. That it's being it's it's not like restorative jawline, which is a consultative thing where someone comes in and says I'd like to look fresher or more beautiful. It's actually being driven by requests. Is that your experience? Precisely, people book in exactly for that rather than how yeah, can I right. be more beautiful. I think a lot of 
younger clients are booking in, especially for drawline. Mm. I think older people are booking in because they want to look younger, not necessarily realising that a drawline is what they need. Um, I think a lot of people just don't realise you can do it. I was talking to one of my friends the other day and she said, I didn't even realise you could put filler in the drawer. I think it's under-advertised. Everyone knows you can do lip filler. Everyone knows you can have Botox. But when you start saying jawline, people are like, what's jawline filler? Is it a new product? They don't yeah. realise you're just putting filler in a different place. Mm. It's just not very well marketed. But everybody now is kind of jumping on social media. And I think with selfies and things like that, side views, they're Absolutely. trying to get the selfie yeah. with the jawline because it's all taken off. It's become the rage. Mm -hmm. So I think younger people definitely ask for it. Older people, maybe not, but I tend to steer them towards it because instantly it helps disguise the jowl. And that's why older people typically are coming in to see you. Mm -hmm. They're saying, oh, I look tired. I feel like everything's sagged. Yeah. Okay. And I noticed that you actually treat quite a lot of men as well. Are you finding it's becoming more popular in, in men to, to get it done? Or is it still a, a mostly, mostly females that are asking for, for jawline? I'd say it's mostly females, but I have had a lot of guys come in. Mm. Definitely. I think that's going to become more more common. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because like it is the equivalent of a lip treatment. Like most guys don't really want fuller lips, but most guys want a chiselled jawline, don't they? Exactly. That. Yeah, that's a really so good way of looking at it. And also, guys don't really want cheeks. Mm. Yeah. But guys want a contoured jawline. Mm -hmm. And it sort of fits if you do treat a guy's jawline. It fits within that um, that traditional beautiful sort of ratios of the face that you know in proportions male jawline should be strong and mm -hmm. about the same width of the cheeks so by treating that you're not throwing them out of, of that you know that um ratio mm -hmm. yeah if you're making them more attractive like you yeah mm. do you think proportionally are you getting the feeling that that it's proportionally quite a common treatment for men to ask for because i i don't you know for example lips with men very few have asked for that i do have some but it's proportionally really small. Do you, are you, but actually, it's quite a new thing too. So I would say it might, it might actually be quite a, a, a very high proportion, actually, rather than something that's niche for men mm -hmm. in a way that's slightly different to possibly women who are still doing the whole face. It's almost like for many men, that's the first, first step into it. Definitely. I also think it's something for, for men that it's kind of almost like a comfort blanket in that you look at a picture of a jawline, you can't tell they've had filler. Mm. most of the time it doesn't matter how good you are as a clinician you can't see that they've had filler in a lot of cases mm. but lips you can be a really good clinician there's always that telltale they've had filler you can mm. tell they've had it mm. so for a guy it's that comfort blanket of being like it doesn't have to tell anybody that they've had filler no one really is going to know but they will look most likely more masculine or more attractive because of it mm. so it's kind of a treatment that men can have without the social taboo of oh you've had fillers mm -hmm. I think that's why a lot of guys are afraid to have it and they think they're going to look like they've had work done like they're going to look plastic or, or false but with jawline you just don't I just don't think you, people can tell mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's really important for men yeah. because they, it's it's often, it's not that, that, well, it's actually because of the difference between men and women, which is if you tell your girlfriend you've had your lips done, they're firm you. Most of them are like, oh, you go, you deserve it. If you tell your boyfriend, <laughs> your mates that you've had your jawline done, you, you'll you never get over it. Oh, they'll, they'll kill you. Yeah. yeah. So it's important that it's less noticeable. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. They might come and have their jawline done as well later, but they'll still... They'll oh, yeah, still but they won't tell you. No. <laughs> well, maybe things will change. Attitudes might change. I hope so, because we're living doing them. <laughs> it's the best treatment to do, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, shall we talk a little bit about some of the anatomy and safety aspects of the area? Um, so there are some arteries that we should be aware of. Tell us, guys. So, um, well, to me, the th 
well, the thing I've learned in, in practice is that you're mainly using cannulas, except mm. I do like that technique which you shared with us recently about the, the more surface one to get a little bit more definition. So mm. that's the reason you can use a needle. Very hard to explain on a podcast, but mm. it's good. Um, but uh, so I worry much less about blood vessels. Um, and we have, I have seen one side effect, which is, the, I think, to do with an injury to the parotid gland. It was thankfully very self-limiting. It was two days of... Of, of swelling that occurred during um, when eating that kind of tracked down moved into the neck so in my mind it was it was a leakage basically a little bit of uh, of a tear in the surface of the parotid that was allowing saliva to leak into the into the tissue i don't think it was a, a blocked parotid gland in terms of the anatomy blocking the main um, canal i don't think it was possible so i think it's a surface tear but that's that's a new you know that's not something most people will see from doing other treatments you, know, you wouldn't because that's not where the gland is so mm -hmm. that there is something to be aware of that even with a cannula you can cause trauma to structures underneath mm -hmm. um, and I, I think the other area be very careful with is the uh, the other nerves um, which which is particularly if you're doing the lateral subzygomatic area you've got obviously uh, the nerves come out there's a big uh, branch of nerves that you might cause trauma to if you go a little bit too deep I think if you're at the right depth you're fine but that, those are the for me those are the things that put it in a different category to many other areas of the face for me personally, one of the, the things I just always bear in mind is that facial artery. Um, it, there's a little notch on the, the mandible. I know that it's roughly in line with the anterior border of the masseter. So we know that that lies deep on the mandible. So as long as we're going superficial, but it's just something I always have in my mind that, um, you know, make sure I'm staying superficial, make sure I have an awareness. I mean, you, sometimes you can palpate it. In fact, pretty much all cases you can palpate the artery. Mm. So that's, that's a big one for me. I don't know if there was a little clip of um, a non-medical person doing treatments on jawlines with a needle in that area mm. and just like a sewing machine going in every centimetre and bolusing with no aspirating. Unbelievably dangerous. Mm. And, and, and it just blows your mind what happens. That would, that would just ruin your half your face. Mm. It's just horrendous. So, um, yeah, I don't recommend needles. If, you, if you're someone who's listening to this, I think you might have a try. Without training. Don't try without yeah. training. <laughs> yeah, get training and, and use a cannula. The other area that's linked to jawline is, um, well, comes down to the chin, and obviously you have the mental and the submental arteries, which both lie deep, although, as we found out recently, they can be affected by compression of filler. So just to have a bit of an awareness of those. But I think they're, they're the main arteries. Would you, would you agree? Yeah. Any, yeah. Big, any biggies that I've missed? Inferior labial, I guess, depends on... It depends on how much chin and jawline you're doing. I mm -hmm. tend to do more of the face with, with jawline and chin, so I won't just do chin and mm -hmm. jawline. I'll do maybe marionettes, um, pre-jar sulcus to sort of blend it in. I'll do cheeks to give the lift. So it's not just literally jaw, um, jaw and chin. So definitely taking into account um, um, inferior labial. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah. then submental as well. Obviously, if you're doing boluses, um, on periosteum in the chin you just start thinking about your angle and where you're going there and I have felt filler sort of track down the bottom mm -hmm. underneath underneath the chin so I think it's really important to me I always push with one finger underneath and then one finger on top just to make sure that the filler stays exactly where you put it because it has a tendency to migrate into like spaces and quite often runs down the chin if you, that's what I did like a long time ago when I was doing it obviously I don't do that anymore because I've learned to put the finger pressure there yeah that's a good tip I think mm -hmm. Is, is the same sort of thing for the because um, I know that sometimes a bolus at the angle of the jaw can be very useful mm -hmm. is it the same sort of thing there where you're using your fingers to, to make sure the filler doesn't migrate yeah yeah but also just to feel your position as well I've like, always got a finger on the end of a cannula 
um, I think it's really important to be able to just feel where you're putting. Hmm. Okay. Um, any other structures in the area you think we need to mention, Tim? I mean, we've talked about the, the arteries, mentioned the nerves. Um, we mentioned, obviously, the parotid gland, which can sometimes be inadvertently damaged. Um, I think, well, the, the only thing is just the, the, the normal, if you're going to use a cannula, to be gentle with it, it passes slowly. So you don't tear things like veins and, uh, and nerves. So it's just being, being gentle with, with, it, with a cannula when you're deep uh, is important. Okay. So, um, product. Amy, what, tell us a little bit about what products we generally use in the jawline. So jawline, you're thinking ultra range would be Juvederm 4, mm-hmm. um, and, but we use Juvederm obviously. And then um, in terms of your premium range, Vicross would be um, your Voluma. Okay. Now obviously we know that um, the standard range is that ultra ranges attract more water, so I don't think you get as much crisp definition on the jawline with using the ultra ranges. And also I have a big issue with trying to get the filler out of the end of the cannula. It's a lot of a lot of pushing on the on the cannula. It really hurts your finger. Mm-hmm. The, the the syringe is bending. The cannula is moving all over the place. I just think it's awful. I think for chin with a needle, I don't think that's as bad. It kind of flows out and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But I do prefer to use Voluma for that one reason. Let alone any of the other benefits like water attraction and getting a crisp border. Mm-hmm. I just think you're just pushing for ages trying to get the the filler into where you want it, and it's hard to manipulate. If you're trying to create a nice crisp angle on the mandible. I just find it really hard with Ultra 4. So I try and steer people onto having some Voluma on the jawline, but it does take quite a lot of product. So mm-hmm. it's a really hard one. It's, a, it's an expensive procedure and they've got to pay for it, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Tell us about that, because that's worth people knowing about, because you do see it advertised like two mils and then the before and after looks amazing. And we all know that that's, if it's possible, it's, it's really unusual that mm-hmm. you can create an amazing jawline with two mils. So what, what do you find are the, the kind of range? Well, let me put it another way. If you didn't have to worry about costs, what do you think you'd recommend for those patients? I think that it's a really difficult question to answer because I think if you if you have someone who's young and you have someone who's thin, I think you can make a really good difference with two or three syringes because that's enough to give you that contour. Because basically, if you're doing a bolus onto the angle of the mandible to project the angle, mm-hmm. if your your bone is just there, there's not much skin over the top of it, not much fatty tissue over the top, it will project quite quickly. So you won't need that much filler to get that projection and get that contour. If you've got someone who is a bit heavier, a bit fuller in the face, it's going to take a lot more filler to project from, from the bone up to give you that definition, that surface contour. In those, I tend to cheat a bit, and that's when I'll do a bit of cannula over the top, just sort of subdermal. But in the younger people who are thinner, I tend to just do a boluses onto periosteum and let that just shine through itself rather than doing a layer of cannula. Mm-hmm. So if they're younger, we, we use less. So it might be that you can get away with two or three. Someone older who's bigger and has a bit of a jowl, I'll tend to suggest cheeks, maybe one syringe each side, maybe a little bit of um, subzygoma, maybe some one each side even, just to give even more lift, because then you need less on the jawline. If you've lifted all that, your jawline takes less. Mm-hmm. Um, chin in itself, again, it depends if they're like retrognathic um, and you have to project that forward. That could take one, two syringes, um, and then you want to blend it, otherwise they're going to have a bigger pre-jowl sulcus than they had before and it's just going to look weird so you need to blend that in that could take one you know half a syringe each side it's a difficult question I'd say mm-hmm. on the whole a minimum definitely two to three mm-hmm. um, but I've I've done jaw lines and it's taken like eight nine syringes but I've I've not just put it in the jaw yeah you know I'm doing it in other places as well I think it sounds to me like there's it's almost depends on the problem you're solving so if it's just definition that's your mm-hmm. lowest bar you could do that with two or three yeah um, if you want if they're thin yeah if it's anti-aging and definition, yeah. then you're talking about cheeks and fat pad replacement. You're going to be up to four or five quite yeah. easily. If it's 
anti-aging definition and proportion, then you're going to be, you know, you can mm-hmm. easily do seven, eight, nine, you know. Um, and and the, the proportion thing's a big one because, as we know, also, if you're just projecting a very small chin over a period of time, you might do five mils just in that. Mm-hmm. So it can get to very high volumes, um, but it depends on the problem. It's worth thinking about that in terms of... Uh, so with, with advising, I'd say what your ideal patient, if you've just done your training, would be, um, you know, a young, slim, um, kind of petitely proportioned girl with a with a with a with some details that you can enhance. So yeah, yeah. And you could do really nice, easy work with not too many. And I do syringes. think a lot of the things you see on Instagram. Um, I, I've been going through Instagram a lot, and. Uh, a lot of the pictures, not only as an angle of how they've positioned them and then they've rotated the image and they've flipped it so it's actually a different side and then they flip the image because that side looks better and there's all sorts of camera trickery going on. But also, if you look at these before and afters, most of the people in these pictures are young and they're thin and they're attractive women. You know, they've not got people who are 50, 60 years jowls. old with jowls yeah. going, oh, look at this amazing contoured jawline. So that is hard. You know, mm. that's a different level. They're even talking about people who are like between the age of 25 to 30 coming in or even younger mm-hmm. and they already have a thin frame, they're already beautiful and what they've done is just enhanced it and sometimes too much. I was looking at one profile recently and it's like they've got an ice cream cone on their chin. They've tried to make it so straight, it's mm-hmm. like you were saying Tim, it's like a shoe has been put in their face. It's like this is like, like literally yeah. a shoe with a heel, right. so it's like a cone. It's terrifying. So it's, not a good look. it's terrifying. It might be worth touching on the on the ratios that have been broken, so that people can understand. Like, if you break that ratio, you look like, you know, it's. We were saying it's kind of more David Coulthard than than Kim K. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what what do you see on Instagram? That what's the ratio people are are breaking most often? So we're talking about golden ratio. So we use that perspective all the time in, in when we're doing our treatments, but. Um, I would go by of the inter- intercanthal distance is something that stays constant throughout your whole life I'm right in saying that so your chin um, I go by inter- intercanthal dis- distance for females mm. and I would tend to keep that nice and narrow because a narrow chin is more feminine um, and then with males I would look at the corners of the mouth and go straight down and that's how I would get like a nice broad chin on a male um, and obviously we use the, the calipers in order to measure, so like the lip distance and then the thirds in your face, measuring top lip, bottom lip, and then the chin. Yeah. Just keeping that all in, in proportion. And then obviously from the side as well is really, really important. I don't use the calipers. Can you use the calipers from the side? Sometimes I just look at them. And My understanding was uh, the golden ratio is from the base of the nose to the middle of the lips, and then that's one, and then 1.6 should be middle of the lips down to the chin. Yeah. So that's how you work out projection. Yeah, that's, that's another one you can... I really find that fits. If you make a ch- sharp little chin, if you if you're going for the narrowness, uh, but uh, but you don't look at the proportion, you end up with the right width chin, but it's just too long and you look mm. slightly alien. Um, that's that's something you see a lot of in uh, in Chinese um, uh, patients because they 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 want they they're looking for a heart shaped face, but they already have the correct projection. If if they don't get good advice, they end up with a with too much of an alien shape. Mm. I do chin, think so. though that a slightly strong chin is attractive. I would rather give somebody a stronger chin than mm. not put enough in the chin. I do think it's slightly attractive. Just like I think a slight amount of top lip heavy is more attractive than a, a too much of a bottom lip. Mm. But I'm talking like the tiniest. This is mm-hmm. this really that's a really interesting thing to say because I've often had that thought of like 
sometimes you need to know the rules so that you can break them, mm-hmm. like intentionally. And that's an example of a rule that you break. And I've often thought that, which I actually, I actually don't. I've never actually said it out loud. Yeah, so I think we shouldn't say that. Don't, yeah. don't, don't listen to me. What do I know? Well, we, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, if you think of um, actually any any of them, like uh, Jennifer Aniston. You know, I, I don't know why I'm really out of date. I'm sure there's a. a <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm probably, with you on that. She's one. probably yeah. lost a few centimeters on her chin now, Tim. It's probably gone up. <laughs> yeah, but she had a very pointy chin, didn't she? Yeah. Angelina yeah. Jolie mas- is a good quite long chin as well. Yeah. It's, it's almost but it's slightly masculine, but it's just treading that border where it's it's also great. Like it's really attractive. Yeah, it didn't change her attractiveness, did it? But if you quite often, if you get your client to open and then put their mandible into a protruded position and that sometimes it, it, it emphasizes that jawline and it gives you a really nice structure of what you're going to create so if you turn to the side now you'll look attractive now no but you can yeah. see what more you of your though? angle because mm-hmm. you've shifted everything forward so more of the bit of angle bit, yeah. yeah yeah so if you look at that if you just turn to the side let him see from the side and open your mouth and put your chin out yeah can you see what that's done you wouldn't want to project him anywhere near that much but you can see how it's going to give him a nice contour on the side and how a stronger a stronger chin is nice Mm -hmm. i mean going back to jennifer aniston like you say knowing when to break the rules is is important i I, she doesn't have her cheeks aren't the widest part of her face even in her younger days she actually has quite a strong jaw even at the the angle of the jaw Mm -hmm. but yet she she was one of the most well, considered one of the most beautiful women, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. So, like you say, knowing knowing those ratios is important, but knowing when you can break them on certain individuals. I think that kind of thing is incredibly hard to teach, though, because you, I don't know which ratio, like how you know someone has the the rest of the bone structure to carry something that's a broken rule, basically. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing, and I have seen this on Instagram, is kind of quite feminine, nice-looking women who's, who suddenly look a bit, basically... Um, they look like men they essentially look like men with big lips like it's not they haven't they've mm. actually downgraded their beauty and it's striking it's not a vague mm. it's actually shocking like that's the feeling I get when I when I see one of those is it's this is really sad because she's after something and she's got something totally different mm. and maybe she's looking at her face and components and thinking look how straight that jawline is but when you look at the overall it doesn't fit um, and I, I think that's what we've got to be careful of but it's, it's very hard this is why breaking the rules is difficult to teach because it relies on a lot of artistic instinct, which is just the hardest thing to teach. I don't know if you can teach it. Mm. I, I think it's, it's also probably something that does come with experience and knowing what works and what doesn't on different face shapes and even ethnicities. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, it's, it is hard to teach. I think you get there, it takes experience to be right. I mean, I say you can't teach it, but I was just reflecting today on my first ever course and how when I treated a nasolabial fold, I was a bit like, well, it's different, but it didn't. It didn't mean anything to me. It took me a while to figure out. To act, you know that feeling you get when you've done a good job, like that feeling. You kind of have to work on it and think about it, and then you, you get that hit of satisfaction. Mm. Amy, could I just go back on something that you said about some of the terminology for the receded jaw? So ret- retrognathic. Retrognathic Can means. Can you enlighten some of the? Yeah, no, um, it's just when your um, like your mandible is set back in relation to your maxilla. Okay. That's literally all it means. Yeah. And a prognathic mandible is when your mandible is set forward from your maxilla. And that's a genetic thing? It, as in, it is it something that um, you, you're sort of born with that shape? Or does it tend to get like that with age, some people? Do you... Well, no, I, I guess most people are born like that. And usually with her, would have organathic surgery, which is where you would have the mandible cut and sectioned and your jaw positioned back if it was prognathic. Mm-hmm. Um, which happens but there's big risks with that with nerve damage and things like that so um, it, they tend to do it when you're quite young 
once you've finished growing. Okay. Um, your mandible does grow um, as you get older, so I guess there is a tendency to come further forward, but... How, 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 is that, I didn't actually, no. is it one of these things that grows endlessly or is it just a bit know, later I on? I don't think it, it's not like Pinocchio. No. <laughs> well, apparently your ears don't stop showing, do they? <laughs> I mean, I don't get me wrong, I've probably got this completely wrong. I'm probably just like the worst person well, in the I know world your saying. cartilage does like in your nose and your ears. They yeah, just, so maybe this is, maybe yeah. it, maybe I'm just lying. Maybe I'm <laughs> but it grows for a bit longer at least than the. Well, it's, it's big. If it's big, it's prognathic. <laughs> if it's small, it's retrognathic. And then you obviously you can have, um, micro so like if it's actually just small so it's not mm-hmm. emulation okay fine should we talk about what can go wrong with jawlines i mean we've sort of covered already some of these things but um i mean do you see things on instagram either of you that that just look wrong yeah well i think i spoke before didn't i about the ice cream cone chin mm. you've got to look out for that which is where they just overload filler into the chin in order to stretch the jawline out yeah. Which just makes them look really, really creepy and weird. And actually, sometimes if you turn your phone around, your laptop or whatever, but you look at the picture the other way, mm-hmm. and you actually look at them how they would be on the side profile, so they're not laid back in the chair. Uh-huh. They're actually just up against, stood up. And you turn it, and then you look at it, and it's it's just weird. Bizarre. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It's like mm-hmm. the longest chin in the world. Yeah. Um, a- another thing I think, especially that I found when I've been doing practice, is obviously that our cheeks should be the widest part. But what can happen is when you're doing treatment for the jaw, especially if you're doing like boluses, looking out for it on women especially, you want the cheeks to be the widest part. If you then do too much bolus work to try and strive to get that contour, you're going to make them look more masculine, then you're going to need more cheeks, and then it's like, where do you stop? It's like this never-ending, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that's just too much products that's used for some, some women, or is it wrong client selection? So should those women never have it? I think never is not the best word, but I think they need to be warned that probably not going to get that crispness that you would have um, maybe, you know, if they were a bit smaller, for example, because mm-hmm. they've already got the fatty tissue over the top. Yeah. You've got to project out over that, mm-hmm. and that can just make them look very broad and very masculine. Yeah. For, you know, they should have an angle, shouldn't they, between the jawline and, and you know, angle of the mandible mm-hmm. and cheek. Um, so if you start to then reduce that angle, it's going to make them look more square, which yeah, is good for definitely. men, which I think is why men tend to look more attractive as they age. Women start to lose volume on the yeah. cheeks, they start to become square, and square is more masculine, so they tend to look more manly, yeah. and, and then they put more and more makeup on, and then that's when you get this terrible look. But with males, obviously, the cheeks losing the volume makes them more square, but that's more attractive. We want big, square, masculine faces. That's why you and me are just looking better by the week, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping these cheekbones of mine will shrink. These, like, I'm naturally quite yeah, wide. You're too baby-faced, Adam. You need a bit more draw work. Yeah, I'll come to you, Amy. <laughs> so, but as, the, as these shrink, I'll look more masculine. That's, that's what yeah. you're saying. When yeah. you're 80, I'll give you my I'm number. Stop your rates. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm 80. <laughs> Great. Is there anything that you've seen, Tim, on Instagram that, that strikes you as being um, just um, a bad trend at the moment? Well, there was something which we, we've taken in in the... Uh, marketing team to be calling a square, which is that when you over square the jaw or just at the corner of your ear, it came from somebody's non clinical saying, What's that square ear? Like she got a square in her ear. <laughs> so we're like, Oh, it's that's a square, yeah, I like which, that. <laughs> which is just basically a really strong angle, which is just it's just bizarre, like it's too much. So we don't want squares, that's the only thing. So ice cream cones, squares. Um, also, the other really subtle thing is too straight. I feel like a, a really gentle curve. Is, is is prettier than completely straight. Once you get it completely straight, it starts to look 
it's just un- it's just unnatural mm-hmm. or, or possibly masculine mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's is that technique of where you place it along the mandible I think it, I don't I mean you never know sometimes they're so straight I wonder if they're photoshopped because it's just so mm-hmm. straight because mm-hmm. they're holding an ice cream cone <clears throat> right <laughs> I think it's just I think they've got it from the chin mm. yeah you could be right I mean interestingly I was reading about the guidance on befores and afters it's we're not allowed to photoshop so people that are doing that it's, it's against the advertising rules oh, is it, so that's to significantly photoshop to make things look altered right and mm. is that something that's ASA guidelines not e- GMC there's yeah ASA and there's a sister group of the ASA. I can't remember right. the name. Well, um, that's good because it applies to everyone rather because often we're in this position as as healthcare professionals. Yeah, yeah. we're we're held to a different standard. I think the other thing I've noticed is a lot of airbrushing, not just not on the procedure themselves that might be right, but the skin around it, which is fine to a certain extent because it can be distracting, but then I think it gives you this illusion that this is what you will look like yeah, after the treatment and it's like they're removing all the spots and the blemishes and the redness and it's yeah. it's not giving you a true image of actually what it's going to be like yeah but i like to think that you know people are not doing that and they're just going to give because otherwise everyone's going to think that this is what you're going to look like as soon as you walk out mm. yeah no it's a very good point I and they're all going to think you're going to get these contour jaw lines for you know 300 400 pounds and it's just it's not the case yeah i think the biggest top tip i would say is be prepared to look at a jawline and go, I don't think that's really done that much. Unless you're prepared to put a lot of filler in and, mm-hmm. and work with all over the face. You will do it the first few times and you'll go, I'm just not doing that. I'm not very good. I'm useless. It's not true. It's probably just you're not using enough. enough. Yeah. That's, that's a really good tip. Yeah. Okay, so um, unless there's anything else to add, um, I think we'll wrap up there. That's been a really interesting uh, conversation. So thank you very much, Dr. Amy. Oh, it's no, great no, to have you on the podcast. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>